Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Our next guest has been the ACC Coach of the Year, the Big East Coach of the Year. He's taken Florida State to three straight NCAA tournaments, including the 2018 Elite Eight and last year's Sweet 16. He's even been the National Coach of the Year. And he was born and raised here in North Carolina. Leonard Hamilton, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? Well, thank you very much, fellas. Uh, it's always a pleasure. <laughs> it's great to see you again, Coach. Uh, the ACC tournament was back here not far from where you grew up last year. It's in Greensboro this year. What are your earliest memories growing up with uh, the ACC and hoops in the 1960s, I guess, in your case? Uh, and did you ever dream that you'd be a part of this league as a coach, even though you were not as a player? Well, no, I, I never even had that thought. Uh, but I have to say that I really was uh, locked in on every ACC game that came on TV. Uh, Big Boobus and Bones McKinney and and uh, uh, even Eddie Beatenbach, I, I remember uh, pitching the newspaper of Eddie Beatenbach sitting on the floor with a, a, a bunch of shoes around him that he had, he had busted out and worn out. I mean, so I remember when Charlie Scott came in as a freshman, and I think it was Mike Malloy, and I think he might have been an AA. I think he went to Longburg Institute, and Mike Malloy was at Davidson, and they played in the Charlotte Coliseum, and they packed it out with for a high school game. You know, so I have a lot of fun memories uh, of basketball back in those early days. And ACC, I've always been a fan of the ACC. Leonard Hamilton is joining us. He is the 18th year head coach of the Florida State Seminoles. He is now 71 years old, but looks like he's about 50 or so. Hey, you have seen the football Seminoles win the national championship during your time in Tallahassee. Have you been able to cultivate a relationship with Willie Taggart or counsel him in any way as a guy who knows Tallahassee so well? Because he's got a tougher road than Bobby Bowden or uh, Jimbo Fisher. Well, you know, we, we've had a lot of conversations. I'm not real sure that, I can, that I'm in a position to counsel anybody. <laughs> I got all I can say grace over myself. I kind of stay in my lane. <laughs> but I am, I am a Willie Taggart fan. He's a, a guy of tremendous high character. And, it's just a matter of time before he puts that program back to the level that Coach Bowden and, and, and Fisher had it. So uh, he's on his way. He just inherited a tough situation uh, that had been going down for a couple of years as Fisher ended his career there. And it's very difficult to wave your, wave your hand and make everything all right in a, in a year or so in football. So, uh, but, no, he hasn't moved in the right direction. They got off to a, a very interesting start, but they're, they're picking up momentum, and I think you'll see them continue to keep getting better and better as the years uh, move forward. Leonard Hamilton is joining us. Remember, his guys from Phil Kofer to Fiondu Cavangeli to Chris Kumaji to Terrence Mann and others have moved on. He does have Trent Forrest and MJ Walker back as veteran guards, but a lot of new faces for the Seminoles on the hard court this year. Uh, this may be another stay-in-your-lane question, but you know a big uh, issue right now nationally is name, image, likeness. Mm -hmm. NCAA makes billions of dollars with a B. You make millions of dollars with an M. Is money in college hoops so big now that it's exploiting young men to ask them to be a part of the product without letting them take you know, third-party money okay. in the case of the California okay. law? But see, Glenn, you're part of the problem. When you say that the NBA, I mean the NCAA, is making billions of dollars. You don't take into consideration that the money that the NCAA makes, they pay for every oh, sport. Oh, I know. Every sport. I'm they part of the for, solution, they, they, Coach, because I explained this. They, they, they pay for every championship in, in, in golf, in tennis, in cross country. So the, 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 the idea 
of they making billions of dollars without giving an explanation for what they do with that money. Now, in college, you only have about 25 less than 30 teams that actually make money in college on the positive side. And even them, the, the, the money they make, they pay for the scholarships and the travels of maybe 18 and 19 different sports and all the expenses that go along with that. So the, 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 the image that's being projected, that there's all this money flying around, that's loose, that's being taken, that, that's taken advantage of. Now, do you understand the, the, uh, what um, the, the Pell Grant and the cost of attendance does for an athlete? Do you understand Thousands that? of dollars that they have in their pocket how now. Much, that how, they, much, they, how, they, how much do you it, think it, it is? It varies by school. Okay. But it's multiple thousands of dollars just for the cost of attendance. Okay, the, the, uh, to get a scholarship at Florida State for an out-of-state student is $50,000. So over a four-year period, that's, that's $200,000 scholarship. Now, a Pell Grant is about 7900 for the whole year. The cost of attendance is about 12000 So you, you have a youngster attending school that actually has $20,000 above his, his room, board, and tuition uh, to take care of what is, is expenses. So over a period of time, uh, over, over a four-year period, a kid has a worth of, let's say, $280,000 in four-year period. Right. Now, what is the value of an education? And what does that mean for a youngster as he moves through his life? I had the distinct pleasure and honor of receiving a scholarship to go to college and get my education. Now, in the last 27 years, I've only had five kids not graduate that have been with me for four years, in 27 years. My mother went to the seventh grade, my father went to the ninth grade. Okay, but when I got my degree, you know, I adopted my brother Willie. Both his, he gets his degree, he, both his kids graduated from college. I adopted my brother Barry, my brother John goes to college, his kids go to college, get his degree. My, I adopted my sister Pam, she goes to college. So my point to you, this whole experience that we're talking about changes the whole culture of a kid's life and, and family. And I, and I get irritated when we start talking about money and likeness, and no one's talking about getting your education. No one's putting emphasis on the importance of youngsters staying in school, being encouraged, and, and, and going on and trying to have a nice life. Somewhere along the line, we have lost our direction. And uh, as, as it relates to the image thing, I think we need more information. I think we need more statistical analysis about the pluses and minuses and how that's going to affect the, 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 the amateurism of college, of college, of college uh, sports. The amateurism, there's a difference between being an amateur and a professional. And right now, it has a certain balance. I want to know statistics. I want to know what, how we do this. How does you have two or three kids on your team making, let's say, $10,000 a month for their I mean, not on your, on your campus, and you have the cross-country person who works just as hard and puts the same number of hours that doesn't have the same opportunity. Is any of that tied to education? Is any of that tied to your grades? It, what, what are we talking about? As opposed to just making a statement, a blank statement, that there's so much money went around and kids are, are being deprived, I want to know what all that means and how are we going to administer that? And this, are you put in a situ situation where one school might have 10 players on their team that might be what they call elite. Yeah. And, and so now you got one school that maybe got everybody that's elite. Now, what does that do to the structure of equal opportunity for everybody? 
Now, I don't want to. It's free market. Yes, I don't want to, to not have people who deserve things to be taken advantage of, but I also don't want to create a situation where the, 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 there's such a difference in, 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 in what's going on in the community of college sports. I think, I think it's, it's, there's a lot of pluses, yep. a lot of things been going on good, but I'm listen, uncomfortable with what I don't know. Yeah, and I've been covering these issues about as long as you've been a head coach mm -hmm. when it comes to the NCAA and how this stuff works. So I understand the value of the education. The question becomes, I'm a believer that 98% of college athletes get a fair trade. What they give in return for what they get. I'd say, what 90, I'd say 99. Maybe 99. Uh, why can't the 1% take advantage of the free market the way you take advantage of the free market to make millions of dollars as a coach? They, they are, do you know how many coaches get fired every year? Yeah, what, but what you got, you're, you're all well, you're well compensated to be sent on your way if you get dismissed, Coach. Let's be you, real here. Not, not really. See, now you, now you. Come on, man. Every situation is different. Yeah, but so, you can't make blanket statements. Most like coaches at high-level programs okay. who get fired get paid not to coach for the subsequent years. How, how many high-level? We can't paint a pity party for no, head no, coaches. No, no, no. But you got to be pacific. You can't just make blanket statements. I'm making an accurate statement. No, no. You, well, you got to be pacific now. ACC because, head coaches okay, make that, millions okay, of dollars. Okay, right? ACC head coaches. Yes, but 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 then you have you have a whole lot of other coaches that are coaching too. True. So what I'm saying is, I, I like for you when you make those statements, be more specific. So the people who listen to you, who believe in you, and trust your your accuracy, yeah. you know, to be accurate, because that's not necessarily the case all the time. So what about the top players in in the California law? They're, allowed, they're not asking, the, you, you described where all the NCAA money goes, or Florida State's athletic department pays for all those sports, and that's all accurate. The California proposal doesn't ask Florida State to pay anything to the athletes. Oh, okay. They're asking to open a side door to let third-party okay, money. Okay, you're asking me a question that I really don't know the answer okay. to because of the fact no one knows the answer. See, what we're doing, we, what we're doing, we, we going into uncharted waters, right. and we making blank, blanket statements without statistics to show how you going to handle that? I, I don't think it's quite as easy just to say that this individual on, on, on this campus or these two individuals. And when I look back at, and this is what, and Glenn, this, this is important what I'm getting ready to say to you. Like Devin Vassell's didn't come to me as a high level player. Right, right. Okay, so youngsters at 17, 18 years old, they develop. You have some guys that go in that get recognition because of the publicity and the notoriety they receive. True. But then they falter because there are some other ingredients that go along uh, uh, of, of, of making decisions on how or well, not you consider yourself elite. Then you have other guys that come in no one knows anything about, and they develop for that. So my point to you, that's a moving target. It and is. so if you make a, a statement about who's elite and who's not, how accurate as you are. You have some guys that are drafted in the first round that, that fail. You have some kids that, that, that don't even get drafted that are superstars. So my point to you is not a quite as easy to start de deciding on who receives that and who, what category. So how do you determine that when you're dealing with youngsters that are, that are teenagers that are trying to develop and grow? I have three kids that are playing in the NBA of last year's team. None of them would have been considered to be elite. And, and none of them would have had the opportunity to get in that category of getting money. But at the end of the day, they developed to that. So how do you decide that? Can you give me an example? 
you're giving them value and they're giving you value. Okay. But it, of course it varies person to person. That's what the free market does, okay, then, coach. Okay, Lynn, <laughs> give me this. Last year, how many elite players in basketball would have fell into the category? How many? How many elite players? That, that would it All fall Americans, into, you mean? Would it fall into that category of being the guys who would have received that whatever you – Oh, I mean, obviously the, the Zion Williamsons of the world. How, how I don't know the number. But the, the, the question – Once again, but here you're again, at, let's, let's determine that before we start hanging our hat. Let's go back and have some statistics. Let's look back 10 years. Let's evaluate something, and then let's make decisions based on information that we have as opposed to opinions. Because I got opinions. I'm not real sure. I'm not ready to make a statement one way or the other. Right. But, I, but I, I'm irritated by people who feel like they can stand on their soapbox and make declarations on opinions on things that we really, really have not researched. And I don't know what it does to the culture on a college campus when you don't find a way to keep that same atmosphere existing that has that so many youngsters have gone to college and gotten the education as a result of being a part of that culture. I don't want to see that damage. And there's still a difference between amateurism and professionalism. And if we move into that area, I want to know how do we judge that. we got to let you go to your next interview, but can you tell us, did the basketball shorts you lent to NBA player Jonathan Isaac, were they really cheetah print shorts that you wore back in the day? i tell you what, now, I started off, the shorts were so short that it was unbelievable. And then when I went to Oklahoma State, we actually had some skin-tight shorts that, that, that looked like the, the shorts that the girls wear now, you know, the, 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 the little tars. Yep. And so this thing has evolved, and right now, I just hope that they have something to cover their private parts, and let's move on, yep. and I'll be happy. But you didn't wear the cheetah shorts? I don't even. I, hey, I, just, I wore whatever they gave me. <laughs> His name is Leonard Hamilton. You can follow him on Twitter at FSU Coach Ham. He is a North Carolinian. Good to see you back in North Carolina, Coach. Thank you. Let's throw it back to the studio in Raleigh. We're back after this.